You're listening to the Save the Marriage Podcast. Your marriage can be saved and strengthened if you have the right information. Join Dr. Lee Bauckham as he explores ways for you to improve your relationship and your life, starting right now. This is Lee Bauckham, and this is the Save the Marriage Podcast. Today, I've got something special for you. You know, I'm often talking about connection, and today I want to step back just a little bit and talk about the principle behind that. This is actually a recording uh, that was provided to my VIP members, the VIP uh, program. We do virtual coaching there, and as part of that, each week I give them a high-level training to help them understand another mindset piece, another technique, another approach. And I wanted to share this because it's so important. Now, this is the first principle. I actually cover 10 principles in that program as part of the principles training. But you get to listen to the first one today at no charge. Uh, Generally, uh, you have to be a member to get access to this. But I wanted to share it with you because it's so important to understand this level of connection. So I want you to jump in and enjoy the process as we go through principle number one, connect, don't crowd. There are three layers to understanding that I I think are important for this, three layers to any understanding. Uh, And so let me just kind of give you kind of the the broad view of this. So there's a concept, and then there are principles, and then there are actions. So for instance, let's take gravity as a concept. The concept of gravity is that large masses create a force, and the bigger the mass, the more the force that pulls inward pulls towards the center. That's the concept of gravity. Now, the principles of gravity um, can vary, right? I mean, now I'm just, I'm not speaking in uh, science lingo. I'm just everyday life, principle of, of gravity. I have to fight gravity to stand up. Gravity helps me to the ground. That's a principle. If I drop a ball, it's going to go straight to the ground. It's going to aim to the center of the earth, right? I mean, that's a principle that, that everything's pulling to the center of that mass, And so another principle is that in everyday life, you and I, on a regular basis, are using gravity to help or hinder ourselves. I could not lift weights if it were not for gravity. Sure, I could use resistance, right? But let's just go with that. I can't lift weights because there's no weight without gravity. It's holding me down. If I'm jumping rope, I'm counting on gravity. So gravity is going to hold me down, right? So if I drop something, it goes to the middle. That's a principle. And so every day we're using that, fighting against it. That's a principle. In specific action, an action is, let's say I take a football and I count on gravity that if I throw it, at first it's fighting gravity and then gravity takes over. So I've got someone running and I've got to calculate in my action how hard, how far to throw the ball so that it drops into their hands thanks to gravity. That's the action. The other action, let's say I'm running down a trail. I miss a route. I trip and I have to be aware of gravity pulling me towards the ground and how I'm going to react to that based on my actions because I know gravity's there, right? So broadly speaking, that's, that's, I want to just kind of break it down. And, and here's why I want to break it down. It's very important for us to have a broad idea of something, but then to be able to kind of parse it down a little bit. And, and here's what I've noticed. Sometimes we go from concept 
to action without understanding the, the principles in between. So the concept is save your marriage through reconnecting and changing yourself. I mean, if, if I broadly, somebody asks you, how did your program work? By working to restore connection and be your best self. Connect and change. That is a concept. So now we have the broad concept. And so then many times people will jump in and they try to figure out what direct actions to take. And sometimes they go, oh, connect. Okay, so I'm going to text my spouse, you know, like middle of the night and all the time and, and tell them how much I love them. Or I'm going to connect with them by begging them to come back and tell them all the reasons they need to. And so you notice that there is something in there that gets thrown off. So they're connecting by using actions, but there's an intermediate piece that's missing that we're going to talk about today because I, I want to break it down into principles. So you understand the overall concept. You're trying to figure out how does this action fit into the concept, and the missing link is the principle in between. If you understand some simple principles, then you can begin to use those as building pieces to your actions. That's why this is so important. The, the, this, the sessions on, on principles are, are going to be, I think, gold for you to help you put things in, in, in the process. So if we think of concepts as overall approach, it's kind of the big picture, the overall idea. Then we think of the direct actions as where that, that concept comes into, you know, friction, right? How we bring that into the world. There's something in between there, and that is the principle. The principle is kind of the rule or, or a tenet or, or a law for you to follow. It's the part that pushes out the concept into action, but action that actually reflects the concept in its truest sense. So if you think of it as kind of uh, you know kind of a flowchart, you got the big overall concept, which breaks down into a number of principles, and each of those principles then can break down into actions that therefore well represent the concept. But if you don't have the principles, your actions may misconstrue what the concept is trying to get to. So what's important is that it breaks down the concept, but it keeps you right above the action so that you can then evaluate your actions. You can evaluate uh, how they fit in and see if they are actually moving you closer or further from your goal. See, here's where it's interesting. You start with a goal. Right, You come to this process with a goal. I want to save my marriage. Goal. So the concept to do that, you, you can choose from a lots of different concepts. For instance, one concept is uh, then manipulate the heck out of your spouse. That's a concept. And then they'll come up with a bunch of principles of why you can do that reverse psychology or you know NLP or lots of these things, no contact rule, lots of different things. And that then spreads into your actions. Now, 
this is going to be helpful because it begins to to help you think about what you're doing and what you're holding in your mind, what what rules and, and tenets, what laws you have chosen to follow. And you may look at them and go, wow, they're not matching up. Well, it's probably because your concepts, you're bringing in two different concepts or three different concepts, but you can't really see it until it hits the principal level. So my concept, just to clarify, my overall concept is that we save a marriage through connection and change, changing yourself, connection and change. Also changing your approach to marriage, right? That's, that's another piece of the change. But that's what I see as the greater overall concept of saving a marriage. Now, the reason I wanted to bring this up is because so many times I, people say, well, I did this and this, and I'm like, oh my gosh, your actions went counter to the concept, but you didn't see it. You thought your actions were representing the concept, and the intermediate piece you needed was the principles. <laughs> so over this course of this last week, I've been watching, you know, what are the principles that I keep having to say to people? I have a number of principles and which ones are the ones that I keep saying? And as I went through, there were a handful, a little over a handful that emerged as the ones that you need almost as like bumper stickers. I mean, you know, if you could, I don't know, take a pair of glasses and write these on the glasses to look up. I've been doing virtual reality lately, so maybe that's why I'm thinking about it. But if you could see it, this would be augmented reality, right? Uh, when you're about to act, you can go, wait, does that fit that principle? When you're about to do something, you go, wait, that violates that principle. It's not going to get me to my goal based on this concept. So let me just say that everything I talk about is going to reflect the fact that I believe that marriages are saved through connection and change. If you don't think that, the principles aren't going to matter. Your actions aren't going to match my principles. So we're coming up with this idea of ranking. So, you know, a lot of times people are like, just tell me what to do, actions. Well, I'm trying to give you the skills to choose your actions that get you to your goal through my concept. And the, the missing piece is often principles. So what I want you to do is when I give you a principle, I want you to write it down and, and use this as kind of a reference point. So when you write it down, you're able to go, oh, wait, let me, let me use this. Let me look at this principle and ask the question, am I following it? So I'm going to give you a principle, and then we're going to go into depth some about that to make sure that we're covering any place that you might get stuck in that. Okay, so let's just for a moment think about how this plays out in the rest of your life, because it's, it's not just here. Right. It's just that sometimes these become invisible to us. For example, I've just thought about how in my own life, where, where does this all fit in with what's the concept, what's the principle, and then how does that flow into my tactics or my actions? So, And I want you to think of when I say tactics, those are actions or inactions, right? The tactics that you use to get there. So, for instance, 
when I decided to change how I eat, I was sitting there going, okay, what makes more sense to me in how to understand intake, food intake? And so a concept that was floating around is that the evolution of the marketing of food has far exceeded the evolution of the human body's capacity of dealing with that food. To say that more simply, our bodies haven't evolved to eat the way we feed them. That's why we have problems. So that's the concept. So a principle of that is that we need to feed our bodies uh, foods that our bodies are more equipped to handle in healthy ways. That's a principle. A principle of that would also be our bodies are not built for the sugar intake that we give them these days, which is why we see a lot of the health problems we see. There are lots of other reasons, but that's one of the reasons that we see a lot of the health problems we see. This is scientific, right? I mean, there, there are scientific um, studies that show this to be the case, that the increase in a number of uh, what we have considered to be first world issues are due to our diet alone. Diet and lack, lack of exercise are two. And, and so uh, when I was looking for this, you know, I, I stumbled on the paleo community. This was years before paleo kind of went into kind of some bizarre areas. But it basically was, can you eat whole foods that our ancestors would have had in their life? And can you move like they would have? Those are, that's a principle. Eat like our ancestor, ancient ancestors did, and move like our ancient ancestors did, more so. Okay, so that is a principle. Now, the action of that, I need to stop eating, eating candy and drinking soft drinks and eating junk food that converts to sugar uh, and look more towards uh, a healthy whole foods like whole vegetables uh, and even some whole grains and healthy meats and things like that as my diet piece. That's, that's the action that comes out of that. And then one of the things that came out as an action was to understand that our ancestors were not uh, what paleo has called chronic cardios. Uh, you know, I, I did a lot of, of distance running, I ran a, a, a trail marathon and do lots of other, did lots of other stuff and, and you know, began to read, read the studies about what the paleo world called chronic cardio, the primal world particularly called chronic cardio. I'm doing too much that stresses my body in ways that aren't actually making me more fit, but wearing me out with stress. So I changed, lift heavy things, move a lot, right? But in gentle ways. And so those are the, how it changed my actions. So another place that that fits in um, is say for exercise, right? So you're exercising and you, you may go, oh, high intensity interval training has has been shown to be more effective in helping us. High intensity interval training, HIT, right? H-I-I-T, HIT. So that would be the concept that high intensity interval training um, is effective in us uh, building strength and endurance. And then when you get to the principle, it's that it has to be very high intensity for it to qualify. So that's a principle. So then in the action, if I'm going to exercise, I'm going to do sprints several times a week, some kind of sprint, whether it's a rowing sprint or a running sprint or a swimming sprint or, you know, whatever it is, 
um, if I do that, it's going to help my overall health, right? So there's this concept of how this type of exercise is very effective in helping us get into shape. So one principle of that is it's got to be super intense, but very short range. Some people tell me that they just did an hour-long high-intensity interval training uh, session yesterday, and my response is then it wasn't high-intensity interval training according to the protocols, the research protocols, not what we have referred to, right? So that'd be that. In my life, also in jiu-jitsu, lots of concepts in jiu-jitsu, but I also wanted some principles. One concept in jiu-jitsu is, um, you know, that you take the fight to the ground and you have leverage regardless of your size. Okay, that's a, that's a concept. So our principle is leverage works best when applied correctly. So the tactic, when I have an a arm bar, the further I'm away from that person, the more stretched they are, the more effective it's going to be, right? So it comes down to there's the big idea. There's the uh, way that we divide that big idea up into some principles that are then following into our actions. All right. So hopefully you understand now what I'm talking about of the difference between a concept, a principle, and a tactic because now we're going to drive – dive straight into the principle. Let's remember our overall concept that we're working on through all these principles is this. You save a marriage through healing connection and making changes in yourself through, he- for, through connection and change. That's the overall. And the, the reason I want to break this down is because many times I'll, I'll say that. I mean, so someone will say, well, how do you save a marriage? Reconnect with your spouse. Heal the connection. Be your best self. Change yourself. And at that point, I could go, oh, you know, mic drop. But that's not a mic drop because they're going, okay, so how do I do that? So, principle. This is principle number one. And this is the one I want you to write it down. Connect. Don't crowd. Let me say that again. Connect. Don't crowd. All right, so let's break that down because there are two parts to it, connection and not crowding, right? So if the concept is connect or the principle is connect, don't crowd, uh, underneath the concept of connection is what heals, here's the background. We humans have this very deep need for connection, and the primary place that we get it in our adult life is through a significant relationship, And one of the ways that that significant relationship has been over history has been through marriage, through a union of people. It could be just a significant other relationship, but a lifelong or a long-term relationship with another person. Because you build trust, you build history together, um, you, you kind of also build an understanding together. Now, unfortunately, over time, sometimes that, that understanding that can become boredom, right? Um, we know from, from studies that couples tend to react to each other in a multitude of situations the exact same way every time or very few ways over time. And that can become stagnant, how they deal with conflicts, uh, how they deal with sex, uh, how they deal with decision making. All of those can become stagnant or they can be routine, meaning you know what to expect. 
you know how to interact with your spouse, you know how to touch your spouse, you know how to, um, you know, work with your spouse, you know how to decision make with a spouse for good or bad, right? I mean, it's not, it doesn't necessarily mean you do it right, but you know how to, you you know how it's going to go. And because of that, you can build kind of this deep well of being on the same team of operating together. You know, it's kind of like if you if you're on any kind of a, a athletic team, the more you play as a team together, the more you understand how each of the other people are going to react to things, what they're going to be do, how they're going to respond, where they're going to be on a play, because they're always doing that play the same way, right? And so all of that can build into a, uh, a rich connection. It can also grow stagnant. And so our need for connection is a central part of human existence that many times we underestimate because nobody tells us this. And we think that love will take us through that. So the background is that we have a deep need for connection. The problem is because we haven't been clear about what that means, we as adults in a busy world with lots pulling at us often hit the pause button on the relationship. Paul's button doesn't mean I don't love you anymore. I don't want to be with you anymore. It means I need to do this right now. And so our priorities, or as I call you them, our value stacks reset. When you first are dating somebody and getting to know somebody, the value stack, you usually put them at the top. Like I am going to spend all the time I can with this person. That's just what we do. And then we, the value stack them down. The kids come along, value stack, kids go to the top job rises to the top. Uh, Hobbies rise to the top. Something does. And because we're not clear about the shift, we don't see it has happened. So somebody says, what's your priority? Oh, my marriage. But you haven't done anything to prioritize your marriage, to act it out in your value stack. Your value stack is how you live out your time and make decisions. Value stack compares two values and asks, which one do you choose? Push comes to shove, which one do you choose? And, and so that value stack tends to show that our spouse begins to drop because we hit the pause. We got other things to attend to. Got to take care of the kids. Got to get them out of diapers. Got to get them into school. Got to get them successful in, you know, hobbies or sports or whatever it is that we're allowing to take our time. Got to get that promotion. Got to get this level of income or whatever it is that takes your time. Got to achieve this level of success in some hobby or activity or sport or wherever for myself or spend the time with my friends or travel or whatever it is. And my spouse isn't in that mix. Pause button. So one of the kind of the sub principles of this is we, yes, we are wired for connection. First of all, second, another sub principle is that we hit the pause button, not for purposeful reasons, but because we didn't recognize what we were doing. That was the action that we did. So we inadvertently hit the pause button. And when we hit the pause button, we don't put the relationship into suspended animation as we have in our fantasy world. When the kids are old enough, we'll just come back to us. When we retire, we'll just come back to us. You know, when I get the promotion, we'll just come back to us. When Whatever. I mean, you fill in the blank of whatever it is that will get back to us. And what you don't realize is it's either that you're growing your connection or it's in decline. It's either, you know, expanding or receding. That's all the connection can do. Expand or 
recede. It may look like it's stable for a little bit, but it's really not. So you hit the pause button and it goes into decline. The connection starts to recede. Because we are, see principle A, or sub-principle A, we are wired for connection. Sub-principle B, when you hit the pause, you create pain for each other inadvertently, but it creates pain for each other. It hurts to not have the connection that we as humans need. And because of that, because of that deep need, when it's missing, it's painful. So part of what happens in that is that we have, we have this, this spreading space between us. And we begin to operate in our own space. And then suddenly, somebody wants to come back to connection. That would be you, most likely. And the other goes, whoa, I need space. Which is where you're crowding them. And that's the thing. When you're working to restore connection, you have to recognize that part of what you're trying to do is redefine the space that you both have built accidentally over time that had the other person on the outs. And one person is saying, oh, I don't want this. I want to move back into the space. But the other person hasn't said, oh, yeah, come on and join me. Because they have adjusted too. And most of us will find ways of meeting our connection needs, even if it's without our spouse, when that becomes unavailable. This is where affairs happen. This is where we see people overly involved in their kids' lives. When we see people having uh, multiple friends who are their confidants, emotional affairs come out of that, throwing themselves into work environments where there are people there that are giving them kudos that they're not getting elsewhere or hobbies or other places, right? We can find connection. We can find it. That doesn't mean it's as satisfying or fulfilling as it could be in the marriage, but we can find it if necessary. It's kind of like going, okay, you know, what I really want is this, but if I can't have this, I'm going to find the scraps of this, that it's, it's kind of like going, you know, I want to eat healthy food, but if I can't eat healthy food, I'll find whatever I can. I'll, I'll, I'll eat junk because I'm hungry. And so that's, you know, kind of what happens with connection. We're hungry for connection. And if we can't get the whole food, the healthy food, the, the food that really would be kind of be soul quenching, We'll settle for belly satisfying. We'll settle for what fills us to some level because it's uncomfortable enough that we need it one way or the other. If I can't get it here, the drive will get me to get it there. Okay, so that's kind of the background of connection, why this is such an important thing to reconnect and also why it's, it's sometimes not as hard as you think to save a relationship because we have that valence for connection. So when that's be, that need begins to be met, it, it ought, it's kind of like magnets, right? It pulls us back together. 
So connection happens on three levels. And this is where you can use this principle now to look at your actions. It happens on three levels. Physical, emotional, and spiritual. Physical connection. Anytime I touch somebody, and let me say this, anytime I lovingly touch somebody, that's physical connection. So if I lovingly hug my wife, kiss my wife, rub her arm, pat her leg, anything even more intimate than that, making out, having sex, all of that is physical connection. Many times people think that it's not physical connection unless it's like sex. No. Any touch is physical connection. We're wired for that. Second level, emotional connection, happens on a couple of levels. When I feel like you get me, that's emotional connection. When you feel like I get you, that's emotional connection. When we feel like we understand each other, when we feel like we're on the same team, when I'm able to hear your troubles, even if I can't fix them, can't do anything about them, but I can say, oh man, that sounds horrible. You know, sometimes um, I've, I've come upstairs after a rough day and my wife will say, hey, do you want to talk about it? And I'll go, not really. And she can just pat me and say, I'm sorry, it's been a rough day. That's physical. I mean, that's emotional connection, right? I mean, it's physical connection too when she pats me, but it's emotional connection. I don't have to tell her. And, and the emotional connection for a couple who's been together for a long time includes the history we've got together where we can say, man, this is like when blah, 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 right? But sometimes my wife and I talk about our early days of marriage when, man, we were eating like waffles and fried rice because that's all we had money for. And it feels connecting because we're like, man, we went through that together, right? We went through that together. That's a sense of connection that comes with time. So the different levels to this emotional connection. The other level is spiritual connection. And by the way, just to back up just for a minute, emotional connection doesn't mean somebody agrees with you as much as that you're understood. I don't need my wife to always agree with me, but I want to be understood. It's a very important uh, concept to understand. Okay, spiritual connection. Sometimes people think that I'm talking about agreeing on religious stuff. Not really at all. Well, a little bit. Many times couples base their spiritual connection on their shared religious beliefs, not recognizing that your religious beliefs, whether you notice it or not, will change over time. Sometimes we don't notice it, but they do change, either in degree or what exactly you believe. I mean, there are different things that change over the... I I I don't believe what I believed when we got married, nor does my wife. And we didn't even agree then. If you've heard my stuff about intimacy, that's pseudo-intimacy. We might have acted like it, but we really didn't see things just like then. We certainly don't see things just like now, and it's okay. I'm happy to hear how she views the world, what she believes. She's happy to hear what I view, how I view the world, what I believe about the universe, about God, about you know all these different levels, that we can hear that and go, I understand that. Not agree with me. But just hear it and go, okay, I get that. I get. I see how, where you're coming from. But spiritual connection also is more about sharing your soul. Emotional connection, more about sharing your emotions. Physical connection, more about sharing your, your skin space, right? Your physical presence. But the spiritual connection 
is saying, this is what's important to me. This is what I want out of life. This is what I hope to achieve. This is my big goal. This is who I am. To be willing to share that. All of that is a part of our spiritual connection. And, and honestly, when I watch many couples, they lose track, first of all, with their spiritual connection. I know many couples that hold by a thread in the connection, either in the emotional area or the physical area, and they've forgotten about the spiritual completely. It goes out the window sometime earlier in their dating. One of the things my wife and I both bring to our life is that we find meaning and purpose in life to be very important. We were raised with that. So sharing that is very easy because we've always shared what's meaningful, what's purposeful for us at this point. You know, what, what has us, what keeps us up, what keeps us excited. That's our spiritual connection. And couples can often get back to that and find that they have a whole nother, it's like finding that, that fifth gear they didn't know they even had in their relationship and clicking into that. And, and then they have even more horsepower than they thought, right? So those are the three levels. Now, as you step one more piece down into this principle, that it's about connecting, not crowding. One of the places you need to understand is that means that it's about giving connection, not trying to get connection. Understand that distinction. When you try to get connection, what you're really trying to do is get reassurance. Right? You're trying to get somebody to reassure you of their presence. And the problem is they don't want to reassure you, right? And so it feels like pressure to them. And that's where we're going to move. We're beginning to bridge into this whole crowd part. That's the second part. Connect, don't crowd, right? And so in the, the midst of this, uh, we're trying to give the connection towards a spouse, not try to get the reassurance of their connection to us. And so what we're looking at is how do we grow, repair, or maintain the connection as you go? So whatever actions you take on this principle should be either growing, repairing, or maintaining the connection in your relationship, which brings us to that feedback loop. Because what happens is people, uh, you know, it's like, if it's not working, let me do more. <laughs> that's, that's their solution, right? If this isn't working, let me dump more. And so the feedback loop says to us that um, where, when you can't add more, if the loop isn't accelerating, right? If you think about something that's, you know, there's a gear over there that's moving and you're, you've got, you grab the belt and you're trying to force the belt around faster, but the gear is strong enough that it's fighting it. You're not going to succeed, right? You're not going to get the flywheel going any faster by pushing it harder. Kind of like in the morning when I'm walking with my dogs, I'm going to walk at my pace. If they pull me, I'm not going any faster, but I'm going to be more irritated with them, Right? It's the same thing when, you're, when your spouse isn't ready to go any faster and you keep pushing for the connection, you're not going to get more connection. You're going to get more irritation. So if it's not accelerating, your, your tendency is to want to add more, but that's the crowding part. And it causes backup and overwhelm. 
my son, uh, who adult son, he's an adult son, uh, lives uh, in another big city, and um, pandemic has been he just really isolated, and and so one of the things he did to help was to get a fish tank, um, and so he had this fish tank, and now he hasn't had a fish tank, I mean, in a long time, and the last time he had a fish tank, honestly, his dad had the fish tank. Um, <laughs> I'm the one who got to clean it and feed them and do everything. But he got to look at the fish tank. And so now he's an adult, so he decided to get a fish tank. And so he was feeding them. but he And he really wanted them to thrive. And so he made sure that they had you know food. But they weren't eating all the food that was there. But he was afraid that they would be hungry, so he kept adding more because he didn't want them to starve. And so in the process of trying to make sure they didn't starve, he began to overwhelm the system with the leftover food, which finally clogged the filter and finally killed the fish. And my point is, he did it for the best of intentions. He wanted them to be well-fed fish, and that overwhelmed the system. He was adding too much in for all of his love, all of his desire for them to be fine, he was adding too much in, and it overwhelmed the system because the system had not found an equilibrium. The equilibrium would have been this. He puts food in, they eat it. And as they're growing, they need a little more food, so he puts a little more food in, and they eat it. And as they grow bigger, he can add to that, but there's gotta be, he's got to be monitoring that and managing how much he's putting in based on how much they can and are willing to consume at the speed that they can go. So a system equilibrium is looking for a stable place. And so you can go, okay, it's stable. Now maybe I can add a little bit more as it grows. Because remember, connection is never actually stable. It's either growing or receding. So if it's growing, okay, a little more connection. Growing a little more, a little more connection. And it's, it tends to be not just a little incremental, but it tends to be more expansive, but you can't add more until it's expanded. Still, if it's at a deficit, you've got to add in enough to get past the deficit. You've got to catch up and get it going. But once you're catching it up in ways that are not crowding, you have to wait for the system to catch up, the relationship to catch up, which brings us to the second piece of this principle, which is emotional space. So for a moment, I want you to imagine that you and your spouse are in a fish tank. And that fish tank wraps around the two of you, and you two are puffer fishes. Just play along with me for a minute. So you got a fish tank. Fish tanks don't expand, right? My son's fish tank is solid. And so it's only got the space that it has. It's only got the emotional space that it has. If the fish get too big... They outgrow the fish tank, right? Because the fish tank's not going to expand. So you and your spouse have this solid tank around you that encompasses your emotional space and your spouse's emotional space. Now you're puffer fishes. If you know anything about puffer fishes, they will puff up when they are alarmed. And they, they, what they are trying to do is intimidate and scare off a predator or make it impossible for themselves to be eaten. So they do it out of alarm, right? So imagine the two of you are floating around. It's possible that the two of you have a big enough tank that you never encounter each other. So that's one scenario. And honestly, that's often what I see when people come to me in the beginning. 
they have disconnected so far that they don't interact with each other at all. That's one model of emotional space. I stay distant, you stay distant. Now, here's the thing about staying distant. You don't have conflict. You don't poke into each other, right? So by staying distant, you stay safe. By staying distant, you stay disconnected. And that's the problem. In that model, there is no connection. Second possibility, one of you never moves towards the other, but the other one's always puffing into the space. Now, if you know about puffer fishes, when they're deflated, they um, are just like regular fish, kind of smooth-skinned. But when they puff, they have spikes that pop out. Same thing in emotional space. Little puffer fish, the other one expands and those spikes accidentally poke that other puffer fish. And they're like, oh man, that hurts, right? That's uncomfortable. I got to get away from this person. So they try to move away further. But in moving away, that alarms that puffer fish some more and they expand some more and they still squish them. And so in that tank now, there's one puffer fish that's expanding into more and more of the space, allowing less and less for the other one. That other one is the one who's going, hey, I need some space. You're poking me. So what often happens is that first fish, the the one that is disconnected, moves over to the side. The other fish goes, I've got to do something about this. And so they expand. They try to connect with their spouse in ways that are invading the space. And because of that, the other fish goes, ooh, I'm getting poked by you. I need some space. I think I'll find a bigger tank is what they generally say. And so if somebody is constantly taking up the emotional space and the other person isn't, the one who's not taking up space goes, all right, you know what? I can't even be in the bedroom with you anymore. I'm going to go to the spare bedroom. All right, you know what? I can't even stay in the spare bedroom. I got to find my own apartment or own house. All right, you know what? My own house, my own apartment doesn't even give me pay, any, any space. We're going to have to get a divorce. I'm going to have to cut off my agreement to connection with you. Because that is, is really what a marriage is kind of about, right? I agree to connect with you for the rest of our lives, right? I agree to be in connection with you. So puffer in this scenario, there's a puffer fish that takes up too much room, overwhelming the other. Now, there is a scenario where both people or both puffer fishes puff up all the time and they're constantly just poking each other which tends to be where couples are when they're constantly fighting, just constantly in each other's space. Both of them are invading the other person's space. And sometimes one puffer fish is going, I need space, even while they're expanding and poking the other one. I need space. And then they keep coming in and invading the space, right? So sometimes the space gets confusing because you think you got space or you think that you're, you're giving them space and they keep poking. That's another possibility. The other possibility, which is much more normal uh, interaction, is that both puffer fishes have times when they are under alarm and puff up to some degree. And the other person, other puffer fish, sees that and goes, hey, can I help you? Because connection helps them depuff, right? And so they can manage the space between them much more appropriately. That's what happens in a healthy relationship. All right, so that's the puffer fish analogy <laughs> for attachment theory. All right, so let's go a, a little deep deeper with this. Part of what you're trying to do when you're not 
invading the emotional space. When you're allowing the emotional space, you're trying to invite them, not push and pull. You're inviting them. So let me give an example. How, what's, what's the difference? I use tag along as a concept, right? A tag along is to say, hey, I'm going to go grab a cup of coffee. Would you like to go with me? That's an invitation. Would you get a cup of coffee with me? Different. That's a pull. Can't we get a cup of coffee together? How about if we go on a date? Let's go on a date this weekend. Push, pull. Not invite. Push, pull. Now, once you're connected, date night's a great thing. You know, a lot of people have said, oh, date night is a way to save a marriage. No, date night is a way to improve a repaired relationship. But generally, when people come to me, their spouse is not wanting to spend time with them. They're not wanting to go on date night. They're wanting to have more distance, not less. It's kind of like if your spouse says, I want a divorce, and you go, oh, here, let me give you this book on how to save your marriage. They're like, that's not what I wanted. I wanted a how do you get divorce book, right? But they're, they're pushing, they're pulling, right, instead of inviting. So let me give it a little further example. I've watched people say, hey, can I have a hug? Because I want a hug, not, would you mind if I hugged you? Can I give you a hug? Do you feel how that feels different? If I come up to you and say, hey, it looks like you've had a hard day. Can I give you a hug? Can I give you a hug? You can say no. Isn't that different in just how it feels internally if I come up to you and go say, hey, I need a hug. Can you give me a hug? I mean, that's, I'm pressuring you to give me something. Or how about this? I could say to my wife, hey, and, and actually, so she's, she had hit physical therapy. She's got a shoulder injury. And so I went up before she left. And I said, hey, I love you. That's it. I love you. But be thinking about you. Love you. You know, it's pandemic days, so I can't go in with her. So that was, I love you. Now, think how different that is if I walked up and I needed some reassurance. And I go, hey, love you right? Love you leaves the space for you to have to respond. I don't have a period. I don't have an ending. I have a question and I need your answer. So I feel better instead of putting a final to it. You just, can you feel the difference in how that feels to the other person? Because that's how it's being experienced. If you're looking for reassurance, you're pulling, you're pushing. If you're not doing that, you're just offering, hey, I love you. A lot of people are like, can I say I love that I love them still? Yes, but don't say it needily. Don't say it waiting for a response from them. Don't care for the, uh, I mean, it would be nice if they responded, but don't worry about that response. This is about inviting. Inviting is allowing the space. It's connecting and allowing the space. Think of it as the difference between giving connection and trying to get connection. I love you versus I love you. Can I have a hug versus looks like you might need a hug. Just feel the difference in those pieces. This is about whether you're trying to get reassurance of the connection or working to build the connection. Okay, so those are pieces for you to kind of carry around with you to understand this principle, the principle, again, is, crowd, is, is connect, don't crowd. 
connect, don't crowd. So as you look at your actions, your tactics, ask the question, is this connecting and not crowding? It's got to meet both criterias. Is it connecting and not crowding? And if not, I need to reformulate. Even if it seems like a good idea, but you go, ah, don't think so. I think I might be fooling myself because I'm violating that principle. Don't do it. Step back. Follow the principle because that will carry out the concept, which is getting you to your goal. And it allows you to understand your tactics one level up. Okay, this is principle one. We're coming back for future principles and future training. But principle number one is connect, don't crowd. All right. I hope that was helpful for you. I hope that gave you some ideas on how you need to approach this whole concept, this principle of connecting with your spouse. Now, one thing, if you are interested in the VIP program, I do provide an opportunity, a one-time opportunity when you grab my system to get a free week of that so you can try out that and listen to some of the other principles if you wanted to do that. You start that by going to savethemarriage.com. That's savethemarriage.com. Now, if you already have the system and you are interested in hearing the rest, you might want to uh, jump into the VIP program. You can do that by dropping me a note at coach at savethemarriage.com. That's coach at savethemarriage.com. And I can direct you on how you can join the VIP program. But I wish you the best of luck as you continue to work to save your marriage. listening to Save the Marriage podcast. For more information and help, please visit us at savethemarriage.com.